read you a story. You want a funny story? I'm already telling you it's funny, so you, you, you'll need to laugh at the end. All right. A new pastor moved into town and went out one Saturday to visit his members. All went well until he came to one house. It was obvious that someone was home, but no one came to the door, even after he knocked several times. Finally, he took out his card and wrote Revelation 3.20 on it and stuck it in the door. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him. The next day after the service, he noticed someone had put his card back in the offering plate with a new scripture written on it, Genesis 3.10. Genesis 3.10 says, I heard thy voice in the garden, but I was afraid and hid myself because I was naked. All right, turn to John chapter 10 and put your marker at Psalm 23, all right? I have my, my little marker thing there, or take a pen or something and put it at Psalm 23, because we're going to flip over to Psalm 23 after reading John 10. So put a marker at Psalm 23 and open your Bibles to John 10. We, this is our second message in a series entitled, Jesus Was... Now, I know that's a strange title. Last fall, I preached for three months on God is. And we filled in the blank every week. God is love. God is omnipotent. God is sovereign. Uh, God is grace. And we went through the attributes or some of the attributes of God. And the Lord spoke to me beginning the first of this year and said, Now I want you to talk about what was Jesus when he was on this earth for 33 years. What character did he display? What gifting did he display? What did he display about himself that we need to understand for those 33 years? And uh, Pastor Brady told you a moment ago, if you're a guest, you can take the guest card, fill it out, tear it off the thing, and go to the tape table and, and get a free tape. I'd like for you to get the sermon tape from last week. And if there's another one you want to get, get that in too. So who, whoever's working the tape table, just get, give them whatever they want, all right? Um, but I'd like for you to get the one from last week because I talked about Jesus was a carpenter and it was, it was, it, to me it was amazing the, the revelation that the Lord gave me in that message. So this week we're going to talk about Jesus was a shepherd. So, now I know you're in John 10, but I just want to quote one scripture to you. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. This is probably the number one depiction of the church in the Bible. The church is depicted uh, as a family. Therefore, relationship is more important to us than, than rules. If you ever attend a church where rules are more important than relationship, it will be death to you. Not life, it will be death. So the church is depicted as a family. The church is depicted as a fellowship in the Bible. Therefore, unity is very key to us. The church is depicted um, as a body which means that everyone has a part. That's what we're going to begin talking about tonight with Dr. Deer. Everyone has a part and everyone has a function. But the church primarily is depicted from Genesis to Revelation as a flock and Jesus as our shepherd. So what does it mean that Jesus is our shepherd? John chapter 10. Everybody there? John 10 verse 1. Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. 
And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. We are going to teach you at this church how to hear God. This is primary with the leadership of this church. The, I want to make a statement. You may not uh, understand this statement yet. I had several people ask me about it last night. The easiest thing for a Christian to do is hear God. That's the easiest thing. You want to know why? Because you're a sheep. And according to the Word, you know the voice of your shepherd. But if you say, well, I have a difficult time, I'm, I'm, we're going to teach you how to hear God because that is primary, primary to every believer. You need to hear God for your job. You need to hear God for your relationships. You need to hear God for your family. You need to hear God for your children. You need to hear God the rest of your life. Every day, my sheep hear my voice. Let's go on. Look at verse 5. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Look at verse 10. Most of us here know verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Now let me just make one comment about verse 10. Most people know verse 10, but what they don't understand is that Jesus is contrasting himself and the devil. For the first 16 verses of John chapter 10, he is contrasting the wolf and the, sh and the thief against the shepherd. Listen to me. If you're following the wolf, you, let me tell you what's on your horizon. Stealing, killing, and destroying. If you're following the shepherd, let me tell you what's on your horizon. Abundant life. The way to have abundant life. Most of us know John 10. I've come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. Listen to me, though. The context is sheep who follow the shepherd. If you don't follow the shepherd, you're not going to have abundant life. If you want to have abundant life, you follow the shepherd. You understand that? You, everyone get that? Okay. All right. Let's keep going. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, this is talking about you by the way, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Notice again, it says they will hear my voice. That's all through there. Verse 16, he was preaching to the Jews, and what he was basically talking about were the non-Jews or the Gentiles. He said, I've got some more sheep too that you Jews don't even know about, don't think I have, but I do. I want the whole world to be saved, and I'm going to bring those sheep too, and there's going to be one flock. All right. Jesus is the good shepherd. We want to talk about three things that the good shepherd does. 
The shepherd provides, the shepherd protects, and the shepherd proclaims. Now turn to Psalm 23. I want to read the whole psalm. How many of you know Psalm 23? This is called the funeral psalm by those of us in the business. What that means is, if you get called late notice to do a funeral, Psalm 23. That's a good one. If you ever get called to do a funeral, just remember that. I'm giving you right now your message, Psalm 23. All right? Psalm 23, verse 1. Let's read the whole thing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Your cup run, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is that a good psalm? Hello? It's very easy to memorize, all right? It's very, very easy. It's a great psalm, and Scripture memorization is a great thing. All right, the first thing that David reveals to us about the shepherd is he's a provider. You want to know why? Listen to what he says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I want for nothing. There is nothing that I need. There is nothing that the shepherd hasn't provided. Because I'm a sheep and he's the shepherd, he takes care of every need that I have. He is a good shepherd. This is Christianity 101. Stop running around trying to get your needs met and simply follow the shepherd. The shepherd is a good provider. He provides for sheep. Now, I have to make a distinction here, though. The shepherd doesn't always give the sheep what they want. But he always gives the sheep what they need. The shepherd doesn't always lead the sheep where they want to go but He always leads the sheep where they need to go. Jesus is a good shepherd. God didn't give the Jews what they wanted. He gave the Jews what they needed. They wanted a political leader. He gave them a Savior. They needed a Savior. That's the way He is with us. He gives us what we need. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says that by His divine power, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, His divine power has given to us most things that pertain to life. Is that what that verse said? No. How many things? All things that pertain to life. Now, just key in on that right there. His divine power has given me, given past tense, already given me, all things that pertain to my life. Is that incredible? Listen to me. If you're not married, He already has a perfect mate picked out for you. And He'll bring that person to you when it's time. If you lost your job, He's already got the other one ready for you. If, if you need anything, your house ten years from now has already been picked out, been prepared for you, and the finances to pay for it are set aside in His account. All things that pertain to life. Everything that I need pertaining to this life, He already has set aside for me. My destiny has already been provided for me. Who I am now and who I'm going to be has already been set aside by my shepherd. The only, only, only 
thing that I'm supposed to do is follow the shepherd. That's it. Just follow the shepherd. You want to hear how God's provided for you? Listen to this. He's already forgiven you for all of your sins, taken all the guilt and shame away, sealed your eternal destiny, given you the Holy Spirit to lead you, His Word to guide you, and the church to strengthen you. Now that's pretty good. You want to tell me what else you need? He's already forgiven you for all of your sins, taken the guilt and shame away by the blood, sealed your eternal destiny, gave you the Holy Spirit to lead you, His Word to guide you, and the church to strengthen you. What else do you need? He's a great provider. I have no needs unfulfilled or unmet in my life because He's a good provider. Now, Psalm 23 goes on to tell us how He provides and some of the things He provides. The first one is contentment. Psalm 23, verse 2 says, He leads me beside the still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and He leads me beside still waters. Green pastures and still waters are the norm for the Christian. Please let me say that again. Green pastures and still waters are the norm for the Christian. If you're not eating out of green pastures, and you're not lying down beside still waters, something's wrong. You may not be following the shepherd. Pastor Brady preached on this a few weeks ago. Contentment. Contentment. We can be content by following the shepherd. Green pastures refer to rich food. Let me explain something to you, all right? This is rich. But let me give the illustration of a shepherd and sheep. God has put you in a field of green pastures. Just rich, rich food. But like a sheep, you're going to have to bend your head down and chew. He's not going to force feed you. He's not going to pick the grass and shove it down your throat. But you're in a field. You've got the richest field in the world. And isn't it amazing that you never have time to read this. Green pastures and still waters. Still waters refer to peace and contentment. Do you you know why you come to church? I, I just want to boil it down. You know why you come to church? Listen to me. To sit beside the still waters during worship and to eat out of the green pastures during the message. You ever thought of that? That's what church is. Worship is sitting beside the still waters, just pulling out of the rat race for a while and just basking in His presence beside still waters. And then the message should be just eating out of green pastures. Are you, are you following me? But do you know why people leave the church? Because the only still waters and green pastures they get is that one hour a week. And they blame the church. They say, well, uh, I just wasn't getting enough there. What were you doing with the other six days and 22 and a half hours? Wasn't just that, that time you were at church. What about the rest of the week? That's why personal prayer and personal Bible study is so important. Listen, that's why life groups are so important. Every one of you need to be plugged in. Every one of you need to be in a life group. See, we think we can just come to church and get our battery charged and we can make it all week. 
And, and we actually, we, we just have this philosophy that, well, that should be enough. Well, it's not enough. Philippians, no, no, I don't want to get to that yet. Where in the world am I? Peace, contentment. Our life should be a life of contentment. You know what bothers me about Christians? Hmm. We're the most gullible for money-making schemes. And do you know why they tell you in network marketing companies that it's a Christian company? Because you already have a network. You don't think they figured it out? They got it figured out. If you want to make a if you want to make a bundle, start a pyramid business and get Christians involved in it. You know why? Because Christians aren't content. The ones that should be the most content, and they tell you, you'll be able to give. Oh, you can give now. If you're not giving now, you're not going to give when you get it. And you're never going to get it. If you're not a giver. There is such a frenzy, such a running, such a wanting, such a wishing, such a, such a hoping, such a hunting, such a grabbing in the church. And we should be the most contented people on earth. You know, it's easy to develop a critical, restless, complaining, dissatisfied spirit. Let me say that again. It is very easy to develop a critical, restless, complaining, dissatisfied spirit. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining and disputing. Now, just look at it for a minute. Do everything without complaining. Some of you need to nudge your spouse right now. Because we have a lot of complainers around. And everything they do, they do it with complaining. Contentment. Here's the second thing. According to Psalm 23, he provides restoration. It says, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. God restores our soul. And do you know what takes a beating when you go through hard times or when you go through a difficulty? you know what it is that gets crushed and gets ravaged by the wolf? Your soul. He restores my soul. This is, this is what? This, this, this is what people say. This is what they're actually saying. My soul was crushed when my husband walked out on me. My soul was crushed when I lost my job. My soul was crushed when my children walked away from God. He restores your soul. Some of you are here today and you need your soul restored. Now, I believe in counseling. I believe in ministry. But I have to tell you, I have to tell you, even though I believe in counsel and ministry and getting advice and getting help and talking to people, Jesus is the only one who can restore your soul. He may use someone, but He's the only one. This couple sitting right there, you got a blue shirt on, your wife's beside you got glasses. I'm going to tell you something. He's going to restore your soul. And your soul. And what the enemy meant for evil is actually going to strengthen your marriage. And I just want you to know that because the Holy Spirit just spoke it to me when I looked at you. He's going to restore your soul. He restores our soul. And He's the only one that can do it. Here's the third thing. Guidance. 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. The shepherd will lead me the right way to go. He will lead me in His path of righteousness. And let me just tell some of you something, because some of you like to lead other people in your paths of righteousness. You're not the shepherd. He's the shepherd. It is not your responsibility to help everybody else do the right thing. It is your responsibility to follow the shepherd. The good shepherd leads us in his paths of righteousness. He is guiding you and he is providing for your well-being. Here's the second thing the shepherd does. The shepherd protects The shepherd protects. Psalm 23, verses 4 and 5. Look at verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will only fear a little bit of evil. Most of it he has taken away. Hello? I will fear no evil, even though I walk through the shadow of death. For you are with me. Look at you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God takes the biggest fear that people have, which is death, and totally annihilates it for the believer. Do you realize as a Christian, the worst thing that can happen to you is you die and go to heaven? That's good news, isn't it? That's the worst thing. What are you afraid of? What are you scared of? Well, I'm afraid I might get disease. Well, you might go to heaven. It's just terrible. I'm afraid I might die on an airplane. You know, well, them terrorists might get me or something. You go to heaven. Sudden death is sudden glory. We don't need to fear because he takes it away. Some people fear the economy. They fear the future. They fear about their children. They fear about their marriage. They fear about their job. They fear sickness. They fear, you just fear, 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 fear. David said, because he's my shepherd, I fear nothing. I fear nothing. Now, here's the reason why we don't have any fear and the reason how He protects us. Number one, He is with us in the battle. See, that verse uh, verse 4 said, For you are with me. For you are with me. See, we have this, this thing in our mind that Jesus lives in the church building. I think we got it from... How many of you grew up in a church where the pastor stood at the back door and shook people's hands when they were leaving. Anyone be in church like that? See? And the pastor said, thank you for coming. God bless you. Thank you for coming. You know, we, we get the idea because he, re- you know, he represents God, you know. So it's Jesus. Jesus stands at the back door. And when we leave, thank you for coming. God bless you. Hope you make it out there this week, you know. Well, it's tough. I, I know it's tough, you know. Oh, God bless you. I'll be waiting right here in the building for you when you come back next week, you know. Well, well, Lord, you want to come with me? Oh, no, no, I did that 33 years. I wouldn't go back out there. I I live here in the building. This is where I live. No, He is with us. He goes with us. John 10, verse 4. We We just read a moment ago. And when He brings out His own sheep, He goes before them. He goes before them. He goes with us. Do you know what the wolf is afraid of? The shepherd. Now, I hate to burst your bubble, but he's not afraid of you. The wolf is not afraid of the sheep. He's afraid of the shepherd. And let me tell you what you need to do. If you don't, do you, do you, which, which sheep does the wolf catch? 
the ones on the edge. The ones that attend sporadically. The ones that aren't plugged in. The ones that aren't connected. Listen, if you're going to be a sheep and you don't want the wolf to get you, man, get right up in the middle of the flock, right next to the shepherd's leg. Just like it. Just like I don't get offended if you have a pet. But you ever walk in the And the more expensive your pants are, the more hair they're going to leave. George and Jan used to have a a dog, a golden retriever. His name was Gabriel, but he was no angel. <laughs> this, this dog would see my car pull up in their driveway, watch for me through the window. I think he'd hear my name that day. We're going to go out with Robert. Here he'd be watching for me. He'd run and put his face in this huge water bowl that they had. And all this hair would get wet. And then when I'd come to the door, he'd run and stick his leg, his mouth, right here on my leg. And literally, I mean, drench my pants. I'm the only person he ever did it to. I mean, I would be running around their house, and this dog would be chasing me with this wet mouth. For some reason, he liked my leg. Listen to me. You need to like the shepherd's leg. You need to get as close as you can to the shepherd. And let me tell you where the shepherd is. He's in the middle of the flock. Don't stay on the edge. We have a lot of new people. Many of you have told me personally, we're so glad we're here. We know the Lord led us here. But we really feel the need to get connected. I hear that all the time. We really want to get plugged in, start going to a life group, really get connected. The Lord is the one leading you to get connected. And the reason He's leading you to get connected is because He doesn't want the wolf to get you. He's with us. And he takes care of the wolf. Here's the the second thing. He blesses us in the battle. He is not only with us in the battle, he blesses us in the battle. See, the Scripture said a moment ago we read, he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. I want you to get this picture before you leave today. Think about being in the middle of a battle with tanks going by, bullets flying, airplanes overhead, bombs all over the place, and Jesus walks right out in the middle of the battlefield, sets up a table, puts a white tablecloth on it, a little flour and a candle, and serves you dinner. In the middle of the battle. And you say, well, Lord, should we take cover? Should we eat? When you're with me. Don't even worry about it. And in the middle of the battle, he gives you strength. See, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. means he's going to bless me, even in the middle of a battle. He's going to provide for my needs. He's going to take care of me. He's going to protect me. He's even going to feed me and strengthen me in the battle. And the third thing is, he refreshes us in the battle. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. That is refreshing. Oil is refreshing. David said, Psalm 92, verse 10, I have been anointed with fresh oil. You ever been to a place in your life where you needed fresh oil? You've been saved, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you need fresh oil? 
Well, you get it from Jesus. And it never runs out. He says your cup will run over. You know, you go up and say, Lord, could I, could I have just a little? I'm, 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 could I just have just a little, Lord? And the Lord says, yeah. And he pours it, and it just runs all. Lord, Lord, he's feeling it. It's okay. i got plenty. It's not like the guy in the movies, you know, crawling through the desert, and the guy comes with a canteen and just gives him a few drops. And Don't take more. It'll run out. It'll run out. No, it's not going to run out. He's got plenty. He refreshes us. Listen to me, though. Everything I'm talking about, everything I'm talking about is from following the shepherd. See, this is the key. This is the key to the Christian life. The shepherd says, just stay behind me. Well, Lord, look at all the wolves out there. Just stay behind me. Don't worry about the wolves. Just stay behind me. And as we're walking behind, these wolves say to us, look, look out here. Look, look, this is more fun. That's boring over there where you are. It's more fun over here. Come out here. Come out here. And when we get caught is when we stop following the shepherd, when we leave his side, and we go out there to see what they want us to look at. The Christian life is really, really simple. Just follow the shepherd. And here's the third thing the shepherd does. The shepherd proclaims. In other words, he proclaims good things over our life. Psalm 23, verse 6 says, Surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Notice the word surely. That's a proclamation. That's a promise. Surely, 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 no doubt about it. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you know what the word follow means, actually, in the Hebrew? It doesn't mean quite what we think it does here. This word follow means to chase, to pursue, to run after with hostile intent. Now listen to me. Goodness and mercy. The goodness and mercy of God is chasing you, pursuing you, running after you. As a matter of fact, some of you here are running from God. And I want you to, maybe no preacher has ever told you this before, I want to tell you something. His judgment is not chasing you. His goodness is chasing you. If you're running from God, I've got the answer for you. Just stop running and His goodness will run into you. God's goodness and His mercy is going to chase you, pursue you all the days of your life. That's good news. Isn't that good news? It's not His judgment chasing me. It's His goodness and His mercy. And all I've got to do is slow down and let it catch up. Surely His goodness and His mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Do you know what all the days of your life means? In the Hebrew it means all the days of your life. That means on Mondays too. That means on the day your heart's broken. That means on the day you get bad news that you dreaded your whole life and you thought you'd never get that bad news. On that day, His goodness and His mercy is pursuing you. On that day. God proclaims a great marriage for you. God proclaims a great future for you. God proclaims a great destiny for you. The key, though, is just living with the shepherd, not the wolf. See, the wolf proclaims stealing, killing, and destroying. The shepherd proclaims abundant life. Just live with the shepherd. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He's a shepherd. And let me tell you something about you. You're a sheep. Matter of fact, just, just do a little experiment. Turn to the person beside you and say, you're a sheep. 
Now, the one that said that to you, turn back to him and say, and you're a smelly one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Jesus loves sheep. He wants to take care of sheep. He wants to help sheep. He wants to feed sheep. He wants to provide for sheep. He wants to protect sheep. He loves sheep. You know, you remember the last thing, the last thing he said to Peter before he left? If you love me, Peter, as one of the apostles, one of the leaders of the church, if you love me, please, please feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Feed my lambs. Please. I'm the shepherd. You're an under-shepherd. Please, 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 I'm begging you, Peter, if you really love me, this is the one thing I want you to do. Please take care of my sheep while I'm gone. Because he loves sheep. You know what makes him a great sheep? A great shepherd? Pardon me, I just gave you the answer. <laughs> what makes him a great shepherd is that he's been a sheep. And he understands what you're going through. It's exactly what we talked about last week. Again, if you weren't here last week, just get the tape. But what also makes him a great shepherd is that he's God. And he has enough power and wisdom to take care of us. Do you remember, though, what happened to him when he was a sheep? Isaiah 53, 7 says, He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Listen to me. Please catch this if you don't catch anything else. He was slaughtered so you don't have to be. He died so you could have abundant life. I want you to bow your head.